Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. NASCAR America, Dale Jarrett, Steve Tart, Jeff Burton here with you today. Cool race yesterday for Denny Hamlin, a step-up moment, an opportunity. He completely seized it. Uh, it was fun to witness it. It's fun to see him take that next step. But more importantly, yesterday was a special day for our country, Veterans Day. Uh, racetrack and NASCAR did a great job of celebrating the veterans. Yeah, what an incredible time and great country that we live in. It's because of the men and women that give their life and their service uh, to protecting us here and, and allowing us to have this great opportunity to live in this great country that we do. Yeah, and I'm very thankful to have made a career inside a sport that celebrates them. Uh, yes. They should be celebrated. And as you said, here are our veterans. My mother served. I have some family that served. And, and it's amazing their sacrifice that they have made and continually make for us to talk about cars that race and race cars, it's uh, it's quite amazing. Yeah, the freedoms that we have didn't come free, and right. you know, very few stood up and said, "I, you know, I'm going to stand here and stand guard." And those that did uh, deserved recognition and praise and and the, the appreciation that you know, as you said, uh, this industry and this sport has always taken the time and genuinely, you know, when a service member walks through the garage, you see drivers stop, you see crew chiefs stop, you see crew members stop, sponsors. Uh, really celebrated in the garage. It's a, it's a special thing to see. I had I had an incredible time yesterday uh, given, given a Congressional Medal of, of Honor recipient. There's only 72 of those guys that are alive. Wow. And uh, Dakota Meyer uh, rode along with me yesterday. To no surprise, I did not scare him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Many others have been scared in that car, but not Dakota, man. He was, he was ready. I think he wanted more. I, I think he was like, that's all you got? Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, right. that's it. Yeah. But it was, it was cool to spend some time. Yeah, and he talked about how great an opportunity it was for him, how excited he was about that. But just incredible when you see people like that and hear their stories, just amazing. You know, we take so much for granted because of everything that we have and because of people like that, that we have all of this and this great opportunity. The rumor was he wanted Rutledge to drive, and I can assure oh you gosh. he would have gotten more then. He may, <laughs> that might have been the last ride for the NBC Toyota if we let Reg get behind the wheel. He's braver than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was great to celebrate those, but uh, let's get back to Denny Hamlin. Denny Hamlin, oh. you know, we talked about it. Like, he had in front of him an opportunity to create, a, in my opinion, a career-defining moment. Uh, he can close that off this weekend, but it had to start this week. He got behind, was able to overcome it. I was extremely impressed, you know, in, in him just being able to put all the stuff behind him that last restart, make it happen, and just go take the race. Yeah, I get so excited about sports and, and people and competitors that step up in huge moments. You take people that have amazing skills 
and do extraordinary things. And that's exactly what we saw Denny Hamlin and his team do yesterday, in my opinion, that they knew what they had to go do. And from the time they unloaded that car on Friday in Phoenix and took to the racetrack the first time, Denny Hamlin served notice, I'm the guy to beat here. I know I have to win this race. And he went out and did everything that you would want a driver to do, and even a little bit more. I said it yesterday, and... and I thought about it overnight and throughout the day that this is, in my mind, hands down the biggest win of Denny Hamlin's career. And, and I'm not discounting his two Daytona 500s. You've won them. I've been fortunate enough to win the Daytona 500. That race, I'll sit over in, in my mind, <laughs> well, I'm just saying, Daytona 500 is bigger than anything else. Yeah. And, and, I'm, and people who don't think it are wrong. It's the biggest thing. Yet, a race in Phoenix was more valuable to Denny Hamlin because of the circumstances. Yeah. If he would have come in at plus 24 and won in Phoenix, I'd say, ah, it was a good race. I mean, he ran good. But he made a mistake in Texas, self-admittedly, crashed, went through the grass. The grass tore the nose off the car. There were so many chances for him to add all these excuses into his quotes. Well, the sticky stuff was slippery. The grass tore up my car. He said none of that. From last Sunday, a week ago Sunday, he said, I made a mistake. If it's going to take a win at Phoenix, we're going to win. Everything out of his mouth was confident and, and to the point, and that's what I saw, you mentioned when they unloaded, it started on Friday. You talk about confidence. That car went out in practice. It was great. It continued through the race. But, guys, it was like an average race until that final stage. When they dropped the green in the final stage, it's like oh. he found a little bit extra in the seatbelts, and he was unbelievable. It's crazy. He got out by, I mean, he was out by half a lap yeah. on second place. Yeah. I mean, he, it was a half a lap. I mean, I, I was shocked. I looked down, and he's right in front of us, and Kyle Busch is directly in front of us, but on the other end of the racetrack. It's a half a lap on Kyle Busch at Phoenix where he's won the last two. Yes. And that's a dominating performance. Yeah, and he passed the leader of the race, Joey Logano, who looked like he had a strong car, and admittedly, something happened in there. You know, whether it was their setup, a little adjustment they made, a set of tires that just didn't agree with him. But, I mean, he passed Joey Logano and then lapped him on the racetrack with you know, no help of, of anything else going along the way. So it was just amazing to see how precise he was and could pass the cars wherever he wanted to, whatever he needed to do, he made it work. I, I, Chris Gabehart, the comment that, that we heard that Chris Gabehart called Denny Hamlin after Denny Hamlin went to the media center and said, you know what, not winning a championship is not going to define our career. And Chris Gabehart doing, whoa, 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 yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. Like, quit saying that. That, that is leadership. Mm -hmm. And not that Denny Hamlin had quit, not that Denny Hamlin wasn't coming to Phoenix, but Chris Gabehart calling, first-year crew chief, calling Denny Hamlin saying, look, yes, don't say that anymore. I don't want, you, I don't want to hear you say that anymore. We don't, we're not going to have built-in excuses. We're not going to already say it's okay if it doesn't happen. I love that. I yeah. love that coming from a first-year crew chief. I just think that that team, that, that Denny Hamlin, a Chris Gabehart team, they, those two believe in each other. And I think, more importantly, they're allowed each other to push each other. Yes. Some crew chiefs get upset when the driver pushes or the driver gets upset when the crew chief pushes. These two seem to thrive on it. Yeah. You know, Denny talked about this early in the year after they won the Daytona 500 and then they started having some more success. How much Chris had meant to him and to this race team in particular and got him focused again. And, and you know, you expect drivers to say that, and, and we've seen it over the years. I mean, look at Chad Canals with Jimmy Johnson, the difference he made there. 
you with Dale Jr. and the difference that you made there. Things that you had to do. Not only giving good race cars, but you have to be there for that support. And whenever they're not thinking the right things, you have to help guide them and get them in the right direction. And, you know, you, we can talk about great drivers over the years that had tremendous careers, Hall of Fame careers. Mark Martin comes to, to my uh, thoughts right now in that he didn't win that championship. He gave everything he had, did everything but that. But that does define, you know, you win that championship, that sets you apart. And that's the mindset that you have to have, especially in this format. Well, and it was anything but straightforward. While they had a great car and they had a 12-second lead, we all knew it just didn't feel like it could possibly <laughs> run out, right? Yeah. Like it had to happen. The yellow had to come out. And I'm going to get credit NASCAR, actually. We saw a flat tire, no yellow. We saw another car lose power, no yellow. I thought NASCAR actually did a wonderful job. I'm, I'm the first guy here to say they need to officiate the race better. Well, today I'm going to be the guy that says they did a great job officiating the race as it fell. 36 hits the fence. My qualification of a yellow is if it happens 10 laps into the race, do we throw a yellow? And I, without a doubt, say yes. That's a yellow all day mm -hmm. in every race at Phoenix. The yellow comes out, but then it's decision time. <laughs> for Denny Hamlin and Chris Gabar and the 11 car. And I was the first guy to say, they decided to take two tires. I didn't like anything about the call, but the crew chief had a plan and he stuck with the plan. That's what it seemed like to me. In his post-race interview, yes. you know, he was pretty clear. It seemed like that he has a team, they had a plan going in, and he was going to stick to it. Made me nervous. Oh, my Made gosh. me really nervous. Yeah. I mean, you take the best race car and put it in this situation. I mean, you know, what are you going to do? Why are you doing this? Right. Because you had plenty of time, it looked like, to change four and get still get out in front of everybody. Well, let's hear what, uh, let's hear what Chris Gabar had to say, because that, that was a big moment in the race. Yeah. I mean, golly, if you ain't questioning it, you ain't breathing, right? This is the playoffs on the biggest stage, trying to get Denny Hamlin and FedEx in the playoffs. Of course you are, but again control the restart and my race team just executes so well I mean I ain't gonna get into it but we got to play for every scenario and you saw a play right there and we're going to Homestead I didn't know what he was doing to be honest with you and I think that he tried to get some confirmation from our teammates and and uh, we didn't really get get too much confirmation for, for what we had but I knew that I was just gonna drive as hard as I could no matter what the call was I mean we had a meeting in our hauler we, we, don't ha we haven't had a meeting all year. I haven't had a meeting in the hall with the team in years. But he says, I'm likely, and it's possible, that I'm going to make the wrong call, and it's going to cost us a chance for to go to Homestead. But we're, we're in this together. That was a serious heart, you heartache me, You were questioning point. me quite I, a bit, weren't you? I, I went to my knees on that one because I, I knew exactly. I saw all of a sudden Chris took two, and then Kyle sitting there with four. I said, this, this, is, this could be a mess. So first I want to say that on air I disagreed with the call, and there's a reason. I did this. Las Vegas, I'm not going to get the details, took two, should have took four, got beat at the end of that race. The reason I thought that he should have took four was the gap coming to pit road, yeah. all the lap cars. I thought he had um, some security, could have took four tires and came out, if not the leader, second. What I didn't do, and what I wish I was smart enough to come up with at the moment is how much value he put in controlling the restart. So I did it. From the, from the TV booth, I said, man, four laps or three laps, you gotta have the four tires. I questioned it. 
Chris Gabehart had a plan and most importantly stuck with it and then answered the question. He didn't deflect it. He said, hey, yeah, my heart was beating. Are you crazy? This is the moment. This is the biggest moment, which I love some, some human response. But you see the gap back to the 21, right? Or excuse me, the 12 right there. I question if he couldn't have put on left side tires or anyone, but it didn't matter. The two tires worked. He had information from what everyone else was going to do. And more importantly, and you said it, Danny Hamlin didn't question it. He had questions in the back of his mind, but, but he wanted to control the race. So that's, I think, the moment I didn't give credit. I didn't say, you know what, controlling the race wasn't a priority to me. It obviously was a priority to Gabe Hart. If you go back to Martinsville, as soon as they lost control of the race, they lost the race. Maybe yeah. he had fear that if you give anyone else the restart, yeah. we have seen guys on the inside of the front row struggle. You know, so, so, you know, we talk about winning a championship. And, and I believe, I believe at no time ever in the sport have drivers been under this much pressure. Yeah. Right. If you think about this format, you go into a three-race format that you have to advance through, goes on for three, three sessions of that, and then the championship. We've never been in a situation where drivers, crew chiefs, tire changers have had this kind of pressure. And, and I think it makes, it makes these moments. It makes these moments where the opportunity is out there. And I'll speak for me. I didn't know that Denny had it in him. He hadn't shown me that he had it in him to be able to take, take that big moment. I, mm -hmm. thought, he was, I thought he was there, yeah. but in the past, I don't think he had been. And yesterday confirmed it to me, which means nothing. But I think what's most important is it confirmed it to him. Right. And so now he goes to Homestead, and he's racing three guys that have won championships in this format, one race. They went and took the win. Think about how all three of those guys won. They went and took it. He'd never been there. In my eyes, he got there yesterday. So he now has that experience to, that he can take to Homestead. I know it's not a championship, but it's the exact same pressure yes. in trying to be there so for Miami. There's a word I keep coming back to, and you mentioned right at the start that you love sports because of the platform, the pressure, and the delivery of stars. Whether you like Denny Hamlin or not, whether he's your type of driver or not, he has something that stars have. He has swagger. He has Michael Jordan-type swagger, Charles Barkley-type swagger, Phil Milkerson-type swagger. He is going to tell you about his plane. He's going to take a picture of his plane. He's going to tell you about the house he stayed at in Scottsdale. He's going to act like a sports superstar. Some people don't like it. They prefer Ryan Blaney or someone who's a little quiet, and that's fine. But I think NASCAR kind of needs this, and guess what makes a big star bigger? Performing. Yes. Right? It's great, right? Back it's great it to think you're good, that's but right. you got to back it up. And this was the biggest moment, and he backed it up. That, to me, makes him make, defines all of the stuff he talks about, gives it credibility. And Chris Gabart did the same thing. And, and he almost went back to Coach Gibbs and saying, we had a playbook. This was the play that we yeah. had planned for this time. And then telling his team before that race, hey, I might make a call that cost us. As a driver, I'm okay with that. Take your chance. You're watching the race. Just give me the best opportunity you can. He did that, put the confidence in his driver, and his driver delivered. Can't beat that. The interview with Chris when he said, we had a play and we stuck with it was almost yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> I told you. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I told you I was going to do it. That's right. It was yeah. awesome, man. Hey, that's yeah. what you said. It. That's what it's, sports are about. That's why we love to watch, and that's why these playoffs are better absolutely. and they're more exciting. Yeah. All right, so we talked about Denny Hamlin. Uh, a lot here. He deserves to be talked about a lot. But what about the other drivers moving forward to Miami? We're going to talk about Kyle Busch, Martin Truex Jr., Kevin Harvick when we come back. It's cool to have an opportunity to go race for a championship, obviously. You know, just um, keep coming up short. 
Kyle, every year it's taken a win in Miami to win the championship. How do you go there and do what this team hasn't been able to do in the last 21 races? Uh, yeah, thanks for the reminder. Um, fight as hard as we can, do the best job we can, exactly what we did today. Today we just weren't good enough, um, you know, so next week we'll just have to make sure that we are. And somehow, some way, if it works out, it, it was meant to be. And if it doesn't, then it's not. And uh, hopefully the sun will come up for another day. Sun's gonna come up. I can yep. promise you. I hope, sure. I hope it comes up. So <laughs> where do you know, we start? Yeah. Where, where yeah. do we start? <laughs> so you know, ha had a had a good run, not a great run. Uh, Denny Hamlin had a great run. They didn't have that kind of pace. Um, I'm okay with Kyle being disappointed that he ran second, right? I mean, I'm, I'm okay with that. With that. Uh, where is he? Where do you guys think he and this team are right now? The first 15 seconds, I was like, okay, I see a smile. He's, he's, he's ha thankful to be going to Miami. He's excited to be going to Miami. And then Kelly Stavis, as a good reporter should do, reminds him that it has taken a win yep. and that he hasn't won. That is an A-plus question. Yep. And instantly, the smile is gone. He has to make a remark back. That bothers him. So no matter what he says in public, what I saw right there was a driver that is not happy or is frustrated or both with the lack of ability for the 18 team to win and beat his teammates, which I think makes it even more complicated. Do I think that Kyle Busch can win Miami? I do. He's too good, too talented. Is he one of my favorite? He is not. Um, his, I don't know if I have a favorite, to be quite honest. It's Hamlin, Ben Hamlin all year. I'm not going to backpedal on it now. Kyle Busch is too good to ever say he can't do it. But DJ, I have still yet to see anything out of him that thinks he's closer than he was last week or last month. No, they're not. I mean, talent-wise, yes. He has every bit as much talent as anybody that's ever been in this sport. I'm not just talking about this year and the three competitors he's going to face. I'm talking about ever in this sport. I'm not saying he's better than those. He's better than most that's ever been through here. But he's not in the right frame of mind. That has that hurt them. Uh, they, they haven't had the cars either. And especially when you look back since that win, uh, last win that they had, that they haven't had the speed to compete with these other three that they're facing, and two of those being his teammates. And I think that he's going there in a position that he's not accustomed to, especially having to go against teammates, and that's bothering him more than, than people might think. Yeah, because he did run well, but he was he was behind by over 10 seconds at yes. one point oh, you know, yeah. to his teammate. Yeah. And uh, listen, I'd be upset too. Sure. I, 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 I don't I, have a problem with that. Yeah, so, so can he go to Miami and win a championship? I don't. He's not the favorite. He's not my favorite, but he's Kyle Busch. Yeah, and he has so much talent. Uh, but I think he and Adam Stevens, they've got to find a way. He's got to find a way that to be happy with this package at Miami. He's got to, and I and I think if there's a place he can be happy with, that's where it is because the tire fall off is going to be bigger. It's going to be slick. It's going to be more sliding around than other mile and a halfs. So I think that that actually helps Kyle Busch. I yep. think that some of that drivability in the car. That he wants, I think that'll help him. But yeah. how about and, Kevin Hart? Well, go ahead. Well, Kevin. before we go away from Kyle, and you take a late race restart with Kyle Busch in the mix right there. Hey, that man can make things happen that nobody else can, even against faster race cars through the through most of the race. All right, you said the word faster race cars. So when we start talking about the other two of the championship four, Martin Trex Jr., he's the guy I have circled. He because he was the first to lock in. Cole Pern has known for two weeks that he's going to Miami. He brought a skeleton crew to Phoenix. Think about that. He just left guys home. Like, no, you just stay at the shop and get this car ready. Took his car chief and put him on a plane on Saturday yeah. and sent him home. 
I mean, he's not, you know, we're not working in the shadows. He's clear cut working on Miami. And I spent some time with him, as you did, I know, this weekend. And he said something I never even thought about. He was looking forward to the last couple weeks uh, because there's been no pressure. I said, well, the regular season. He goes, no, you don't understand. The regular season is so valuable to try to get through this round of eight that Cole is on me every week about playoff points. I never get a week off mentally. He looked happy. He looked recharged. He looked relaxed. He didn't care who he's going against. I won't say that he was, like, you know, chomping at the bit against Miami. He was just enjoying Phoenix, and he just enjoyed Phoenix to a sixth-place finish. I like the 19. So, can have a, is Kevin Harvick disadvantaged or advantaged <laughs> because he's racing against three Joy Gibbs Toyotas? Well, they've won 18 of 35 races, so I think he's at a disadvantage. Uh, even though the latter part of the year has been their best performance uh, from Stuart Haas Racing. But make no mistakes about this. Kevin Harvick and Rodney Childers are on their, in my opinion, they're on their own down there. They're, you know, they're gonna, their teammates, Boyer and Almarola and Suarez, are going to say, we're going to do everything we can to help. They don't have any help for him. I'm sorry. Kevin Harvick has run this ship, and Rodney Childers have run this ship from the time that they put themselves together there at Stuart Haas, and they do things their way. So it's up to him and those two to figure out a way uh, I think I think it's a huge hill to climb against these three Gibbs cars. So we talked about Kyle Busch not having the faster car, and that's why he's frustrated. I almost think for Kevin Harvick, they liked that. I mean, don't get me wrong. They don't yeah. want to have the slower car, but they're okay going in being the underdog. Yeah. Like, I think that Kevin – I think when you put Kevin Harvick and Rodney Childers, you put their back against the wall, I think that makes them better. I think they like that fight. I'll actually say that the fact that they're not on the bullseye makes them more dangerous. So, so you just said it, 18 races, you know, Gibbs cars are the favorite. I can make 100 arguments why those three should go battle for it. Kevin Harvick is that, remember that underweighted wrestler from high school? Don't yeah. count me out. Go ahead. Yeah. Don't think, don't think I, oh, you don't think I can do this? Uh-huh. That's what he's going to hear all week. And he's going to sit up there in the media and he's not going to say much. And he's going to sit over there. And a lot of the questions are going to go to those other three. Kevin Harvick, he's always been that wrestler, always been that fighter. He's going to have to have a car, regardless of how much he wants it. Oh, yeah. They're going to have to give yes. him a car to do yeah. it. Don't but, count him out. Uh, no. Way too good. I am, I am basically preparing for about a 30-lap shootout with row one and row two being the championship four. Oh, yeah. I mean, can we just, I mean, yeah. why would and, it not? You know, and you look at Denny, I mean, coming with the guy with the most momentum and and what you would think, maybe a little bit of destiny through all of this. You know, he wins the Daytona 500. It's a great year. All of this, you know, with, with J.D. Gibbs passing uh, last winter and, and then all of this happening around that. You see so many things that point right to Denny Hamlin, but there again, can he make it? Can he put it all together two weeks in a row. Even the numbers say we've yet to have a repeat in this yeah, format. That's right. So I, something I want all the fans to be thinking about, because this is what the teams are thinking about, is that Homestead is the most unique racetrack that, that we go to in this series. They've not been here with this package. No one knows what to expect. When I talked to the drivers this week, they didn't know if they were going to run the bottom. They didn't yeah. know if they were going to run the top. Yeah. They didn't know if they were going to run the middle. They <laughs> did not know. No one's tested. No one's been there. When they unload on Friday, the tempo gets set right then and there. You unload and you're behind, you could have a long night. Yeah. It's yeah. a very unique situation fun. that we've never seen before. In yeah. my eyes, in this sport, we've never seen a championship determined with this little much information. Yeah. It's going to be fascinating to watch. Absolutely. We've talked about all the guys that are happy going to Miami, <laughs> unfortunately, in sports. There's always those that are not happy. So when we come back, we're going to talk to those that had their title hopes dashed.
Kevin Harvick's dominant performance in Texas secured his spot in the championship four and brought race fans awesome new prizes. But the action's not over yet. Go to NASCAR.com slash Ford Playoffs promo right now to enter for your chance to win race day prizes as well as a new Ford Mustang GT. But don't wait. Time is about to run out. I'm just registered. And that's the end of the day and the end of the possibility of being a part of the championship four. Are you all right? Yeah, yeah. Tire left or right rear? I don't know. Not sure. Uh, you know why? You know why we had a tire go down? But seem. I think that's what happened. At least um, seemed like it. So I mean, you never want to have a round go like that. That was pretty, pretty rough. Not sure we've had a worse three weeks in a row, but we did it this time. Seven cars on the lead lap. Three of them need to win this race. Denny Hamlin, Ryan Blaney in third, and Kyle Larson in seventh. It's really hard for the guy on the bottom on the front row to. Accelerate and turn down the hill. It's just the way it's shaped. It's kind of tough, especially on two. Yeah, I couldn't really make the VHT work uh, throughout a run, but for the first few laps, I knew it'd be really grippy up there. I was just always stuck on the bottom. Yeah, you know, it was a so-so day, but able to finish fourth. I look back, and that's one thing that hurt us. We didn't win races throughout the year and the regular season. That that hurts you. You know, you don't have any cushion to lay back on. So what I learned is that you need to have a really good regular season if you really want to have a shot to uh, to win the championship, unless you're going to go out here and, and win. Logano gets the win in stage two. Joey Logano took the lead on track. Now he's counting on his pit crew to keep him there. Air pressure adjustment to help that corner entry. I don't know what the hell happened to this thing, but it don't hurt. So it went from uh, you know, a car that can lead and win a stage and run really well, and uh, from what they told me, just an air pressure adjustment made it go from a winning car to can't stand a lead lap and uh, one of the tightest things I've ever driven and I don't really understand it. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, you change tires and change a half pound of air. That sounds ridiculous. So. I really struggled to say that the half a pound air pressure that we changed to one tire makes that much of a difference, but came back, went the other way on it for the, for the next run. Actually ran laps faster than Denny for probably the first 15. So It's a bummer for sure. It doesn't uh, take anything away from that, but it's just uh, part of the game sometimes. Uh, Joey Logano and his team, obviously, very dejected, sitting there feeling like they were in great shape. And then, I mean, slow doesn't even describe how bad that car got. Yeah, I mean, got passed by Denny Hamlin and then eventually got lapped in the same run. Uh, just incredible how much that went away. We've been in that position. It is no fun, you know, and you're searching for answers as to what that is. What did we do wrong? What happened? Uh, and sometimes you don't ever find that answer, Steve. My heart was bleeding for Todd Gordon and Joey Logano. You've had those cars. You've had them. I've had them. Uh, I don't think any of us have had them on this big of a stage. Yeah. And that's really, I think, the, the focus. It, it's, I, I understand. You said it. There's going to be questions that never get answered. And I'll be honest, you know who I felt the worst for were the fans. Because we were getting ready to see a knockdown drag out between the 18 and the 22. And I hate that the 22 cycled out of that race. It was still a great finish, and Denny had to win. Mm -hmm. But, you know, with Denny winning, that battle between Kyle Busch and Joey Logano was heating up to be a major battle, and Logano just didn't have a good enough run in that they start the final stage. Yeah, and it was just so, t I mean, they put themselves in this position by just continuously having issues throughout the last two rounds, really, of, of trying to overcome everything. And they had done an amazing job to that point. And yesterday, he's sitting out there leading the race. I'm thinking, my gosh, could this happen again for them? Yeah, the, his teammate, uh, Ryan Blaney, the opposite. Yes. Like, they did, They had a really good I, round of eight. Like, Ryan Blaney, and yesterday, I thought Ryan Blaney and his team, they stepped up. Like, they brought their best. They, they, had a, they had a shot. They were sitting there in second late in the race. They ran third a lot. 
uh, this team did a really good job. You heard Ryan Blaney say, you have to get regular season points. That's right. Every time we get a stage finish in the regular season, every time we call a race win and Rick calls out the playoff points and everybody gets all upset with him, they're wrong. They're all wrong because Ryan Blaney just said that. I mean, what do you want them to do? They did yeah. everything they could do. The regular season is the reason Ryan Blaney didn't advance. Yeah. Yeah, he finished eighth, fifth, and third in, in this round of eight. And, I mean, they did everything. If he gets the restart of his life, we're talking about him going down uh, to Homestead and uh, being a part of the championship four. But just amazed. They did a tremendous job. But, once again, it just puts that focus back on. We'll even go back to Logano and Kyle Busch. Kyle Busch wins the regular season championship, gets five more points, bonus points there by doing that. He only beat Logano, even with all the problems Logano had, by two by seven points. So that makes that that much closer. You've got to perform all year long. I think it's really the same for Kyle Larson, to be quite honest. Um, yeah. You know, more playoff points takes yeah. the pressure off. I, don't, I mean, he was basically neck and neck with Blaney in points heading into this. Um, I hate it for Larson. He, I think we all knew, and he even said it, how tough the round of eight was going to be for the 42 car. And, and points would have helped because he just didn't have winning speed. You said it, though. Even Kyle Larson, Phoenix, I wouldn't put as one of his better racetracks. They were all the Every time I looked up on our scoring monitor, the, the playoff guys are in green. They're all right here. I didn't have to look very far to see them. They're all right at the top of the screen. Yeah, seven of the top nine finishers yeah. were those yeah. guys. You yeah. know, The only one that didn't was Chase Elliott, who, gosh, that round of eight was just miserable for them. Just nothing went right whatsoever. So as a, as a former champion, uh, what, do you, what do you say to a guy like Chase Elliott that just came off of a, 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 a playoff season like that? I, yeah, I think, you know, Rick Hendrick is great in talking to his drivers, but I would take somebody like Jeff Gordon who's been in that position on both sides and have him sit down with Chase Elliott. I mean, obviously he has a dad that's been in that position, no, similar situations racing for championships over the year with what Bill had done. But I think coming from someone like a Jeff Gordon saying, hey, look, these things are going to happen. You gave a great effort. As the driver, you gave everything that you had. Yeah, at Texas, you know, the car got away from there, but that's going to happen to every driver out there. The other things that happened weren't of your making. You know, you can't help flat tires and gears that break and parts and pieces that break. So, you know, just keep the young man pumped up because, you know, that was difficult to watch him go through that. Yeah, if I'm an executive of Hendrick Motorsports, if I'm Rick Hendrick, I'm going to let him know what everything that we didn't do to help him. Yeah. Because you mentioned Texas, but that's that was the second race. The broken gear and the broken engine started with an engine. Then it was a gear at Martinsville. The driver has nothing to do with that. And, and if people don't think that doesn't affect his mindset for Texas, they're wrong. Sure. That is absolutely true. So I'm not placing my, you know, it's not one guy. That's not what I'm saying. But Hendrick Motorsports as an organization needs to take some pressure off Chase Elliott of trying to carry that company. Jimmy Johnson is not good. Alex Bowman has not been as good as they had hoped. William Byron is young and improving. Chase Elliott's this kind of like one-man guy out here fighting. I think they need to, you know, make sure they know. It's not going to feel like that right now, but when the season's all over at the Christmas party, we would celebrate this as a great year for the nine, a great year to try to take some pressure off him. Because you're right, I really think he did make a mistake, but he was kind of pushed into it by getting behind him. Yeah, I hope that Ryan Blaney and Chase Elliott can step back a month from now and say, you know, that was great experience. Yes. Like, if we didn't get done what we wanted to get done, but that was great experience. That will uh, yield a result in the future. Because it, it, that's what you. That's how it works. Like, yeah. you don't go win your first one. You have to lose several of them. Yeah, even Kyle Larson, who his first time and with Chip Ganassi Racing uh, inside that round of eight. We've talked a lot about the, the cup race coming up in Miami. 
I think the Xfinity race is going to be nuts. I, I mean, we've got a great oh. battle. I'm so excited about these ra this race. You know, these guys are going to be going at it. We're going to talk about it when we come back. Here comes the momentum. Tyler Reddick, a big run as he comes up behind the 20. And Reddick goes right by on the outside. Tyler Reddick coming in as the underdog. The 22-year-old is the Xfinity Series champion. I'm not screaming because it hasn't set in. I don't know where it's going to set in. It'll be like Daytona again. I'm really sad. My flag didn't last very long. I already ripped it apart. We had plenty of opportunities to win races earlier in the year, and I just didn't execute. So I picked a really good time to get my life together and decide to win a race. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tyler Reddick is part of this year's championship forward in the Xfinity Series. He's hoping to come the first to win back-to-back -back titles with different race teams. He's going to be racing against Chris Rommel, Cole Custer, and Phoenix Swiss winner Justin Algar. And by the look of that picture, guys, if I'm going to prepare for the Xfinity Series next year, I'm getting a red and black uniform. <laughs> <laughs> that is the key to success. Yeah. So I guess we know what Harrison will be wearing uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. next year. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going write that down. Yeah. <laughs> so when I look at these four, you ask who the favorite is. I think it's four completely different styles. So I, when I look at Reddick, he reminds me of the, like the bull, right? He's going to attack. He's going to attack the top, attack every lap. He's attacked the entire year. Yeah. And up until just a few weeks ago, it's completely worked. He's really only had one misstep, one DNF all year long. So he's the attacker. Cole Custer, he's the opportunist. When you go to Miami, he won there. Last year, I think he could have won. Green flag pit strategy got him behind. I look at Christopher Bell, a lot of finesse. I don't see a lot of mistakes out of him. And then Justin Allgaier, he's the wiry veteran. He's just going to sit back. I don't think he has the speed to be quite honest, to run mm -hmm. with those front three, but I didn't think it at, my, or at Phoenix, and he won there. So I, I can really kind of give all four of these a path. I think we're in for a great battle. Oh, great battle, and what a great performance by Justin Allgaier to go to Phoenix, get that win, get that out of the way. You talk about momentum, just what that can do for uh, the mindset of a driver to go get the job done when you have to get it done. We didn't even know on Saturday that he was going to be a part of the, the championship four at Homestead Miami, but he went out and took that opportunity. So it's going to be so interesting. You know, you can handicap the drivers as you did very well there and what their strengths are uh, right there. When you look at the crew chiefs, I think it's a wash there. All of these are outstanding. They have experience. They have the knowledge to make the right calls, give their their drivers the right uh, combination that they need, and put them in a situation to go win the championship on the racetrack. You know what, what I find interesting, and I think this is a disadvantage to Justin Algar. I think those other three guys, they knew fairly early they were going to be in this championship four. They've been working all year whenever they could at running the wall. I mean, seriously, yeah, yeah. I know that sounds right. crazy, no, but they, Chris, Christopher Bell, I'm talking about it. early in the year. He was talking about, well, I got to get better running the wall. Yeah. I mean, for Homestead, I mean, there has been a major effort in the Xfinity Series amongst these guys to make sure you can go run the wall. I, that's fascinating to me. And Algar hadn't been in that position. Yeah. So the only counter to that is I completely agree with what you're saying about running the wall, but the other place Algar hasn't been is racing with these three. Yeah. I think these three all know each other's playbook. Yeah. Every restart trick every entry trick. They've seen them all. They've raced each other every day. I don't think they have a lot of laps around Allgaier. He's been a little bit behind them all day. Never know. The veteran might have some tricks up his sleeve in the closing laps. No, Reddick sure surprised everybody last year. So yeah. is Allgaier going to do that? An interesting prop bet would be, will all four cars hit the wall? 
where can I get my money on that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> this could be the first race. Yes. That's why they love people like you out oh, there in Vegas. Oh, yeah. yes. They're all going to hit the wall. All right. Well, speaking of prop bets, we're gonna, when we come back, we want to talk about who uh, who the experts from Vegas think will be the title contenders in Miami. USAA is challenging all Americans to acknowledge the veterans in their lives and celebrate them by honoring through action. To learn more about USAA's Veterans Day campaign, go to usa.com slash Veterans Day. All right, the updated odds for Sunday's Championship Four, they have been released. There appears to be no clear-cut favorite here, gentlemen. <laughs> I mean, no clear, they won't give you any odds on anyone. I mean, they're basically two, two and a half, three to one on all four of them. Yeah, that's, so that's basically, if you put up a dollar with the two favorites there, Bush and Truex, you win $2.50. The other two, if you put up a dollar, you win $2.80. So not much difference there. And I think that's just how close all of this is. Although I disagree. I would have put Denny Hamlin in that category of a five to two at least. So what I'm interested to see is uh, so these are opening odds, right? How much will Vegas move, right? So my, my point is, yeah, with practice, yeah. we get cars on track Friday, yeah. qualifying Saturday. If, if, say, one doesn't qualify well or one sits on the pole, you know, will it move around much? Because I... I probably don't have Kevin Harvick as high as the other three cars, but, man, they're all can do it. They wouldn't shock me. Yeah, but they don't like to lose money, so it would be really dangerous to put Harvick at, like, four or five that's, to that's one. That. You know, that, they could because they know Kevin Harvick. Yeah, I've learned that they're pretty good at knowing what's going to happen. It's amazing uh -huh. how smart they are. Uh, so, so how about Joe Gibbs and the situation they're in? I, I they. Three guys in the in the championship battle together. I I, I think that's going to be very difficult for them working together or not working together. Let's hear what they had to say about it. I feel like we're all here because we work together. Um, our teams work together really really well. Uh, we've got a great group at uh, at Joe Gibbs Racing, and I would assume all the way till Sunday morning we'll probably all work together. You know, once you start to kind of hold back anything then then that just can kind of snowball and be bad for everybody so um it's just a matter of you know all of us um doing what we do throughout the work uh week for preparation and everything and i think in our preparation and everything there will be some division this week and i would say at the racetrack obviously it's going to be you know our three teams going for it as hard as they can each one of them i think it's all up to the last man with the microphone that's like it's Coach Gibbs' decision. <laughs> and here's why I say that. I think um, 
I do agree with Truex that the, the working together got them there. So in 2007, I was battling Chad Canals for a championship. It wasn't this format, but we were the two that were in it. 2009, we went there one, two, three in points. Um, and we all got together and had a conversation about when the line was drawn, and it was clear to us. The way the information is shared nowadays, it goes in the system. You can't shut that system off, right? And if Chad wanted to go see something in there, that's fine. I wasn't going to walk down his trailer and deliver it like I might have earlier in the year. Chad finds something. He's not going to come to my bus on Saturday night and say, hey, make sure you look at run three. We really found something right there. But there was a point in the race, race adjustments, pit strategy, Sunday morning changes, where we kind of put up the, the, the blockade and said, you know what? We owe it to ourselves to try to go win a championship, and I think Coach Gibbs owes it to those drivers and crew chiefs to give them a chance at some point in the weekend to say, okay, guys, you know, it's all on you. I'm glad we ran that part with Coach Gibbs because he was the most honest and realistic of that group. If you watched when Truex was speaking, Kyle Busch, was, he was acting like he was paying attention, but he really wasn't, <laughs> which he does that a lot, but that's good. That's I understand that. And whenever Kyle Busch then spoke, then Truex was looking down, and he really wasn't paying attention. They're, hey, I appreciate what they've done, the effort they've made as a team, as an organization, to put their drivers here. They've got three of the four. Unbelievable what they've been able to do. They've won 18 races. That ties the record right now. They could set the record uh, by one of their drivers winning here uh, this weekend. But I'm telling you that the preparation at the shop, yeah, everybody knows what's going on. I think from that point forward, and this is what Coach Gibbs wants, is from that point on, it's up to each individual team, driver, and crew chief to do what they want to do. And it has to stop. You know, this is a point in time now that, yes, we're under the same banner, Joe Gibbs Racing, but we have our sponsors and we have our teams that we're dedicated to. And that's the way that we're going to prepare. And then that's the way we're going to race when we get on the track for 400 miles. Well, we still have we still have a little bit of time left when we come back. We're going to continue this conversation because there's a championship on the line, and it's a very interesting conversation. Is it three against one, or is it <laughs> one, 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 one? Whoever is going to advance and take that final position has to win today. The deciding blow could happen. Oh, it's definitely going to happen in the late round. Okay. Grabs the control car on the outside. He gets a launch on that 24. Easily clearing Byron. 22, desperately trying to get every spot he can. Three wide. Denny got a great run here. Last couple of restarts are just going to be crazy. Guys are definitely going to be in each other's door. Joey staying on that quarter panel, trying to stay out there. He knows if he can be here down in turn one and two. It's going to be a busy week on NASCAR America. Tomorrow, dirt track legend and NASCAR veteran Kenny Wallace joins the Junior Down, the Down Junior Download. Wednesday is Motor Mouse, where you can call in with questions. Make them tough, because Kyle loves difficult questions. And Thursday, it's full coverage of Championship 4 Media Day from Miami. That's a full week. Yeah, I, I'm going to be on Motor Mouse with Kyle. I just get fascinated oh. listening to him go back and forth with these callers. So it's just, it's, it's a fun afternoon for me. You on Motor Mouse with Kyle is like Jeff on the Spy Cam with Dale Jr. He's a lot of, a lot of yeah, this. Do, I know I hear your voice on those. They just don't ever play that, right? We're going to have to get a camera on you. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I'm on the camera. You just don't hear my <laughs> just, voice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's continue the conversation. So, so is in your eyes, in you guys' eyes, is this a Kevin Harvick versus Joe Gibbs instead of the four drivers against the four drivers? I think it's four drivers against four drivers, but three of them drive Joe Gibbs and Toyota equipment. And I think that you're not going to just shut the light switch on or off. They're not going to obviously have slow cars. The Toyotas, specifically the Joe Gibbs Racing Toyotas, have been the fastest all year long. 
Yeah, they have been. And I think when you look at this type of racetrack where there's been, where there's minimal grip, now, although there's nothing like Homestead, uh, I think that we've seen the Toyotas and in particular Joe Gibbs Racing uh, outperform everyone else. But I think that it's each of those, again, I'll say, I think it's each of those three teams and drivers on their own. So it's basically four drivers uh, and four teams against each other. You know, I, I agree. But the one thing I will say is that low grip, that's Kevin Harvick. That's his wheelhouse. I mean, you think about Atlanta, where he's so good. Yeah. That those are the kind of racetracks where Kevin Harvick excels. We just came from a racetrack like that. Kansas turned one and two. Rodney Childress told us, "I got my, I got the guy. Yeah. I got the guy for these slick racetracks where you have to be precise." So I think you're taking Kevin Harvick to a type of racetrack that he's really good on. And I am going to be listening all week long. I know they're doing what? Today's show. They're on the Tonight Show. I want to hear what all these drivers have to say. I want to see how much swagger they have, what kind of quotes they have, who's poking who, who thinks they can outrun one another. Yeah, so the Today Show and the Tonight Show are both tomorrow, right? So that's right. <laughs> I think. Get that right. I yes. think I got Hold that on, right. They're on. Yeah. 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 And that'd be fun to listen to them. And they're traveling together again. That was so fascinating. I got to travel with them last year. That was so fun to see them sitting in different parts of the airplane. But then whenever it was a common thing they wanted to talk about, then they would all talk and then they'd separate again. So that's why they have you on Motormeyer with, with Kyle. You can mediate all this. <laughs> no, not <laughs> You're a good mediator. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, really, really special moment moment this week. Uh, I want to leave you with this really emotional moment from yesterday's race. Marine Corps veteran and cancer survivor Edward Shrink performed God Bless America. God bless America, land that I love, stand beside her. And guide her through the night with a light from above. From the mountains to the prairies to the oceans white with foam. God bless America, my home sweet home, God bless America, my home sweet Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.